Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland. We take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. If you'd like to join us live at one of our campuses or stream one of our services online, go to peavine.org for times, locations, and more information. Well, thank you to our worship team. Thank you for being here today. Hey, if you're watching us online or at our Rossville campus, we're so glad you're joining us there as well. Thank you for tuning in. Hey, uh, Matthew chapter 6, if you have your Bibles. Matthew chapter 6. I started a sermon series uh, a little bit ago called FAQ, where Jesus went in Matthew 6 and 7, and he answered our frequently asked questions about the Bible. So I want to deal with this one today. It's, our most, it's the most favorite topic in the Bible of every Christian, how to handle money. That's what we're going to talk about. Hey, while you're finding your place in Matthew chapter 6, um, I want to tell you, if all goes well this week, if all goes well, uh, no matter where you are next week, make sure you tune in because we're going to have a big, huge announcement next week if all goes well this week. So just um, wetting your appetite a little bit, really excited about some things going on. Make sure you're watching next week as well, or here next week would even be better. Well, Matthew chapter 6, let's talk about how to handle money for just a moment. We're going to look at God's design on how to handle money, because that's a major question in life, right? Jesus dealt with it. He knew money was a major obstacle. Now, I'll tell you in a moment uh, later on the sermon how important money is to God, because money is the great indicator in the Christian life. So let's talk about money, but let me work my way there. How many of you this morning are empty nesters? Can I see your hand? You're, you're an empty nester? Anybody? Are there a couple of us that are empty nesters? That means, if you don't know, that means all your kids are gone. Now, sometimes they come back, but hopefully they go back, and so it means all your kids are gone. I, I read this about this one couple that you'll see right here. You'll see their whole family in just a minute. Sanjeev and Sanhana Prasad were overjoyed when their son, their only child, finally decided to tie the knot and get married. This Indian couple had used their life savings to raise him. And after six long years of waiting for grandkids, they decided to take action into their own hands. And this couple has sued their son and daughter-in-law for 643,000 American dollars. Why have they done it according to CNN? Well, they claim to have spent $257,000 to raise their now 35-year-old son. They paid for him to be go through pilot school in the United States. They arranged and paid for a very costly wedding, and they even bought him a 30, I mean, excuse me, an $80,000 car, and they paid for a lavish honeymoon for them in Thailand. And according to the BBC, the suit was filed on grounds of what they call mental harassment driven by Indian customs. Elderly couples believe it's their son's job to take care of them. And part of taking care of them includes carrying on their lineage with grandchildren. Here's what they said in the suit. The main issue is that at this age, we need a grandchild. 
But these people, and by the way, these people are their son and daughter-in-law, have an attitude that they don't even think about us. We got him married and hope we would have the pleasure of becoming grandparents. It's been six years since their marriage. It feels as if despite everything, we have nothing. That despite giving everything, we have nothing. Nothing. They said they didn't marry their son to their daughter-in-law so they can live alone. So they said that in the next year, either give us a grandchild or give us compensation. Give us a grandchild or give us 643,000 American dollars. They said, we have invested all this money into you. And you have given us nothing. For some reason, I love everything about that story. I know I shouldn't. I know I shouldn't. But I love everything about that story. Did you know, for you empty nesters or you, you current parents, did you know that according to the, the Department of Agriculture in the United States, in today's dollars, and it's going up by the minute, it will take you $275,000 to raise your child, singular, and get them into college. $275,000 for you to raise your child. So parents, I say, let's put all our kids on notice. Get busy making something of your life or start making payments with your life. Either way. $275,000. Right, you, if you're an empty nester, you've raised your kids, you, you realize what an investment, all joking aside, you've put in your kids. And I want you to think about that for a moment. And if you're a young couple, you get it, right? If you're a young couple, you got two, three, four kids running around the house. You don't have any money because you put it all in the kids all of a sudden. It's all going to them. You get it, the investment you've made in your kids. Now, I want you to take what you felt. I want you to take what this Indian couple felt. I want you to take for a moment, and I want you to imagine how God feels about us. That God has made this incredible blessing into his children. God has made this incredible blessing in us. You say, well, what, what are you talking about? Well, here's what Paul said in Ephesians 1. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessings in the heavens in Christ. Blessed us with every spiritual blessings in the heaven in Christ. So here, here's God who has blessed us beyond measure, blessed us with every, hear me, every blessing that has to offer. If you are a child of God, you have been blessed with everything God has to offer. And yet, and yet, we often give him so little in return. It's even true with our, with our finances. If we live in this nation, we are incredibly blessed by God, yet we don't handle our finances in a way that honors God and his goodness. So here we sit, sit with every spiritual blessing heaven has to offer, and we take it for granted, and we do nothing about it. Well, how can we change that? How can we change it so that we can be determined to handle our money? God's even going to call it our treasure in a way that would make the Lord himself would be proud, proud of the investment he's made in us. 
Let's see what he says. Stand with me if you have your Bibles. Matthew chapter 6. It'll be on the screen if you don't have your Bibles. Matthew chapter 6. Look beginning in verse number 19. You'll, if you've been in church for a minute, you'll recognize these verses. They're so good, so powerful. Verse 19. Jesus said this. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. For wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. And if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Since either he will hate one and love the other, he'll be devoted to one and despise the other, you cannot serve both God and money. Thank you. You may be seated. How do we deal with our finances? Let me, let me point out some things in these verses, and I'll make a few quick points. First of all, he starts in verse number 19. He tells us, do not store up for yourselves treasures here on earth. Now, this word, treasure, this word store up, rather, is an important word. Treasures means money resources, all of that, all that that comes with financial gain, stuff. I, I use the word, Greek word stuff when I talk about treasures. Do not store up for yourself stuff. It includes money and all that. But the important word in this passage is the word store up. The Greek word is better translated hoard. It means to not lay up something for yourself with no intent or no purpose just for the sake of of having it. So here's what God is saying. Don't hoard treasures on earth. Why? Because treasures on earth are easily perishable. Now follow me for a moment. Jesus isn't condemning savings or retirement. That's not, that's not what he's doing. But the hoarding of money and the hoarding of material items beyond what can be used, what should be, or, or, or hoarding what should be put into the kingdom of God. You saying don't don't, don't hoard up things. So, so don't, don't hoard. Verse number 20. Don't store for yourself treasure in heaven where moth nor rust and seed breaks in the seal. Verse 21. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So we, we find in verse number 20, you put your treasures in heaven. Why? Your investment in eternity never loses its value. And then verse 21. There's an incredibly important principle and hear me this morning, it applies to everything in life. The whole sermon right here, and I, I need you to get it, because this verse 21 applies to money, it applies to your family, it applies to your marriage, your relationships, hey, it, it applies to your church, it applies to everything in life, and here's the principle, write it down. Your treasure doesn't follow your heart, your heart follows your treasure. Your treasure doesn't follow your heart. Your heart follows your treasure. Now, it is probably the mis, most misquoted verse in the Bible. Can I be honest? I've heard preachers misquote it more times than not. I've heard preachers say, well, your money will follow your heart. Absolutely not true. Not true. The opposite principle is true. Your heart follows your treasure. Where you put your energy your heart will follow. Where you put your time, your heart will follow. Where you put your talent, your heart will follow. But Jesus said this specifically, where you put your treasure, 
Where you put your finances, your heart follows your treasure. Your heart follows your money. Wherever you make an investment, your affection and your attention will absolutely follow. Hey, it's why, let me kind of tell you this, it's why marriages fall apart. You know why marriages fall apart? Because one or both spouses quit putting their treasure into the marriage, of the, into the relationship in their marriage. And so when you stop putting your treasure there, your heart goes somewhere else. Do you know why people are not in love with Jesus? Because they're not putting their treasure first. You say, well, preacher, when I feel like it, I'll put my treasure there. You'll absolutely never feel like it. Here's what you do. Before you feel like it, put your treasure in Jesus, and then you'll feel like putting your treasure in Jesus. Your heart follows your treasure. Your heart follows your investment. Your heart follows your money. Your heart follows your checkbook. Your treasure doesn't follow your heart. Your heart follows your treasure. And I'm going to dig in a little bit more. And then Jesus started saying in verse 20 and 22 about believers having double vision. He's talking about that we keep looking at the things of this world and we desire more and we get our eyes off heaven. And God is trying to tell us that if we get our eyes fixed on eternity, we will not have a problem with money and our finances. And so verse 24, follow. He says we have double vision in verse 23. And so then verse 24, I can't get my, it's me, I'm, I'm, I'm out of kilter. Verse 24, he says this. So here's the conflict in life. You cannot have a divided heart when it comes to fu- money and finances. Why? Money can absolutely mess up your relationship with God. You cannot keep your mind on the earthly. If you keep your mind on the earthly, you'll waste your life. And you keep your mind on the heavenly, you'll invest your life. You cannot do both. You cannot be infatuated with the stuff of this world and keep your mind on the heavenly. But if you keep your mind on the heavenly you'll lose your fascination with the stuff of this world. And if you try to do both, here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you try to do both, one foot in the world, one foot in heaven, he said, here's what you'll do. You'll hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and love the other. You cannot serve. You cannot worship. You cannot love. Both God and money. So what does that tell us? What was, what, was, what was Jesus trying to tell us about how to handle money? Because I'll be honest, these verses were very practical down the earth. Can I give you five practical points today to tell you what Jesus said about money? Number one, he said this, earth is a bad investment. Earth is a bad investment. Jesus told us right up front when it comes to our money and finances and treasure that earth is a bad investment. Here, everything we are putting into earth is one day going to go away and whatever we gain here will only be a temporary gain, meaning this, whatever advancement I have here financially, whatever advancement I have here on earth, it is all over once earth is over. So everything here is, uh, is uh, an unstable investment. That means whatever I invest in this earth can easily be lost. 
Whatever I invest in this earth can be stolen. Whatever I invest in this earth can take, be taken away. Whatever I invest in this earth can lose its value. Whatever I invest in this earth can disappear. So what God is saying is the Lord isn't against, hear me, he's not against financial responsibility. What he's against is us putting all of our eggs in the basket of this world because the basket of this world is absolutely a bad investment. Earth is a bad investment. I I can't even figure out financial stuff nowadays. It it was hard enough when I took economy 101, econ 101, 102, or 201 in college, whatever it was. Uh, Man, I I, I got it, but I kind of got it. You know, earth was, I mean, economics, probably not my area, but now it's even so convoluted and complicated. I don't even understand it because now we have bitcoins. How many of you, you heard of bitcoin, right? So I just heard the other day about something called uh, what they called um, uh, stable coins, stable coins, right? So that was a big thing. I didn't even know it was a thing. I never even heard of a stable coin. I'm glad it didn't because um, every time I buy stock, it immediately becomes worthless overnight, every time. Stable coins hit its lowest price since December 2020. In just a few days, $300 billion was wiped out in Bitcoin, almost all of it in stablecoin. Now you say, what's a stablecoin? I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. Here's what I know. The reason they call them stablecoins is they are supposed to be, thank you. They're tied to the U.S. dollar somehow. So a stable coin called Terra USD imploded and lost 95% of its value in just one week. And what Bitcoin uh, proponents had said was even if you don't want to invest in Bitcoins, invest in stable coins because stable coins are. And you know what? They're not. They're not. For everybody who'd gone all in on stable coins, people are going bankrupt because stable coins aren't stable. Do you know why? Earth isn't a good investment. Earth isn't a long-term investment. That's not just true today when we've got financial markets and worldwide global whatever and bitcoins and all that. No, it's always been true. Jesus tried to warn us about it. In Luke chapter 12, he told him a parable. A rich man's land was very productive. He thought to himself, what should I do since I don't have anywhere to store my crops? Now here's a man that's got so much money He doesn't know what to do with it. So he said, I'll do this. I'll tear down my barns. I'll build bigger ones and store all my grain and my goods there. Then I'll say to myself, you have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy. Eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. Sounds like you retired. But he put all his money here. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life is demanded of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? And Jesus said this, that's how it is with the one who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. That's the two plans of life financially. Treasure for yourself or rich towards God. 
treasure for yourself or rich towards God. Again, God's not against savings. God's not against retirements. God is against the hoarding of assets of this life, hoarding of resources of this life. Why? Because that is hoarding up treasure for yourself. And by the way, when you're gone, whose will they be? Can I tell you this morning, your barns could be full here. Your bank could be full here. But it will mean absolutely nothing the day you die. It will mean absolutely nothing. Why? Because earth is a bad investment. Now, you don't have to have a lot of money to be investing here. Can can I say this? A lot of people... You're living a paycheck to paycheck, and here's what you think. Woo, all them rich people need that sermon. No, that's not what Jesus was saying. By the way, it's not the amount, it's the percentage. It's not the wealth, it's the worship. I've seen people with nothing worship money far more than those who have money. The question is, with every paycheck you get, is any of it going into heaven? Or is it all staying on earth? With every profit-sharing check you get, with every bonus you get, you get, ask yourself, where should this be invested? Because I'm telling you, earth is a bad investment. Number two, the second thing Jesus wanted to know is that you should play the long game with your finances. I, I've said it already, but let me just say it again. Here's what Jesus said, not me. Here's what Jesus said, that heaven is a good investment. Jesus said to store your treasures and investments in heaven. Stop and think for just a moment. How much of your money and finances are directly tied to the kingdom of God? Here's what I mean. How often can you point towards that's the money I'm putting into the kingdom. That's the resources I'm putting into the kingdom. That's the uh, uh, um, amount I'm putting into the kingdom. Let me stop and say some things right here. They're very, I almost, uh, uh, one day I need to preach a sermon on uh, misconceptions about giving to the Lord. Can I say something? We always talk about our time, our talent, and our treasure, and I love that. All of those ought to be given to the Lord. Your time, your talent, your finances, all ought to be given to the Lord. Can I tell you something? Time and talent giving does not exclude your treasure being given. I've met Christians who said, well, I don't, I don't give or tithe, but I spend a lot of time at the church. Can I tell you, I celebrate your time given to the church. It's not the same. Matter of fact, it has nothing to do with the other. There, there are people who say, well, preacher, I don't give my treasure to the church. I give it to other places. I give it to people in need or to charity. That's all great. That's called an offering. As a matter of fact, there are three ways to give your treasure to the Lord. Here they are. Number one is a tithe. That is 10% of your increase on a weekly, monthly basis, however you get paid or whatever, a tithe. That's a command of God. You, when you tithe, you're not even doing anything special. You're living in obedience. That's it. Number two is an offering that is above your tithe. That is, I'm going to regularly give to something that is above and beyond my tithe. I'm not taking it out of my tithe. I'm going to give it to my tithe, uh, on top of my tithe, rather. And I'm going to tithe, tithe, and I'm going to regularly give an offering. And the third way is what we'll call a gift. That is a special gift above and beyond. Could be one time, could be every now and then, into the kingdom of God. Now hear me, those are the only ways to invest treasure and finances in heaven. And when you do that, here's the deal, hang on. You may not see an immediate return, but if you'll play the long game, you will in heaven one day. 
I ran across this chart. I ran across this, this, this video. Uh, this, it's a website, and it's profit per second. L- look, look at it. You see it changing. Apple, Apple is just, that's seconds. We're 11 seconds in, and Apple's made 20. I can't even keep up. Microsoft, uh, Google, Bank of America, we are 20 seconds in. 20 seconds. As long as I've been talking, Apple's made $35,000 in the last 20 seconds. And it just keeps going, and it keeps going. And it keeps getting bigger and it keeps getting bigger. And can I tell you, this is what we want out of our investment, right? Lord, I tithe. I, I expect it back twofold tomorrow. I want to check in the mail. Lord, I gave an offering. I expect it back, uh, all of it with interest. Later on. Lord, Lord, I gave a gift. God, I, I want it back as soon as possible. Lord, I want profits per second. And can I tell you what giving in the kingdom of God is? Giving to the kingdom of God is not profit per second. Giving with the kingdom of God is playing the long game with your finances. Give your tithes and your offerings and invest your treasure in heaven. Listen, can I tell you this? I'm going to be a little more transparent than I normally am in a sermon. I'm fairly transparent and I'm going a little bit deeper here. My wife and I have the kingdom of God in our will. As it is right now, when we pass, Pevine will get a check. It's a percentage of what we have or what we're leaving behind in our will. Why would we do that? Because I want my money working for me even when I'm in heaven. Because here's kind of how heaven's going to go. I'm going to die hundred five years old. Um, I keep having to raise that number because Miss Potts, who's now in the hospital, is going to be 103, I think, this year. And, and bless her heart, uh, it's going to be hard to keep up with her. Uh, and so I'm going I'm to, 105 years, so I'm going to pass away. And then the Bible says, after this, poor man wants to die. After this, the judgment, Hebrews 9, 27. So I'll be standing before God. And I'm going to go through the beam seat of Christ. And you are too, by the way. And God's going to say, here's how you spent your money. Here's how you invested. Here's the people that came to Christ because of the money you gave. And uh, here's the difference you're giving made. Uh, uh, you know, go enjoy heaven, and I'll receive my rewards and my lack of at the beam of the seat of Christ. And here's what's going to happen. Here's what I feel like is going to happen. It's like the next week, uh, Jesus is going to call me in his office. He's like, hey, I need to talk to you again. I'm like, oh, man, it's heaven. I think I'm perfect, right? He's like, yeah. And here's the deal. You, you left that money in your will to Pevine, and because of that, 14-year-old girl got saved this week, and I owe you some more. I'll be like, bring it. Bring it, Jesus. I want more. I want more rewards in heaven. I don't even know what that means, but I want, if heaven is handing out rewards, I want in the line. It's going to be like five earthly years later, Jesus is going to call me back in his office, me and Sherry, and he's going to be like, hey, I want to tell you all something. Hey, you're not going to believe this, but that money you gave, they did this with it. And today, remember that, remember that, remember that kid, well, now her sister got saved. And then maybe, hey, maybe it's going to be 10 years after that. Hey, I want you to know that 14-year-old girl that got saved, she, she, she got married, her family's in church, now they've got kids and they're getting saved. And by the way, uh, your money's working for you in heaven. That's the long game. You're not going to see profit per second. Play the long game. My wife and I have Pevine in our will. Now don't get any ideas. It's not enough to build a building or anything like that. Security team, guard me well in the next few weeks. It's not that much money, but it's a hefty percentage of what we're leaving behind. Third thing, 
Third thing we learn is this, that your devotion follows your dollar. We saw that already, right? Absolutely not my principle. It's God's, and it was 100% true. One reason God talks about money so much in the Bible, it, it, it is a heart issue, not a money issue. It is a heart issue, not a money. The reason he talks about finances is it's a heart issue, not a money issue. Look, look, at, what, look at this. The Bible contains roughly 500 verses on prayer and faith, but well over 2,000 verses on money, and approximately 40% of Jesus' parables deal with money 40 percent money's talked about more than 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 prayer and faith together listen hear me money does not make you right with God but how you handle your finances can bring you closer to God or move you farther away money is an indicator of your relationship with God man there's so much here but let me just make three statements if you put nothing into the kingdom you'll never value the kingdom of God it's just true. Church will be an optional thing. It'll be an if thing. Witnessing, telling others about Jesus. You don't put anything in it. It's just a transactional relationship. If you put leftovers in the kingdom of God, you'll be begrudge it. Can I tell you this? For those people who want to tip God instead of tithe to God, you'll begrudge every dollar you put into the kingdom. And number three, if you invest in the kingdom, you'll value it for what it is. The glorious plan of God for our lives. The glorious plan of God for our lives. You can give nothing, you'll never value. You can give leftovers, you'll begrudge it. If you invest in the kingdom, it all makes sense. Why? Your heart follows. Your devotion follows your finances. There's so many studies on this, but I'll just give you one today that a team of researchers at MIT Use a standard protocol for administering, and hold on, light electrical shock to participants' wrist. So, so they had a study going on, and they shocked people. And they measured their rating of the pain they received. So then, the same group of people, were tested give, getting a placebo pain pill for the process. Half of the participants that were given the placebo, which, by the way, if you don't know, placebo means basically that sugar in there. It's nothing, there's nothing in there. It's just fake peel. Half them were given a brochure describing the peel as an expensive, brand-new pain peel that costs $2.50 per peel. So half of them getting shocked in pain were told this is an expensive peel, $2.50 a peel. And then the other half were given a brochure saying it was an old pill worth 10 cents. Same pill, same shock. The expensive pill group had an 85% reduction in pain. The low price group had a 61% reduction in pain, 25% less. In other words, in other words, the more money that went into the product, the more it was valued. The more money that went in, the more it was valued. 
Jesus is saying the same thing here about our finances. That the key to falling in love with Jesus is putting your investment in him, particularly your financial investment, and your heart will follow your investment. Your devotion will follow your dollar. Listen, you want to handle your money and finances in a correct way. You must honor God with your money and finances. Sometimes people say this to me. Sometimes people say this to me. Preacher, man, I really want to draw closer to Jesus. Preacher, I really, I really want to, I want to do more for the kingdom. Preacher, I really want to go deeper with the kingdom of God. You know where you start? You know where you start? With your dollar. No, preacher, you misunderstand. I want to learn more about the Bible. I want to fall more in love with Jesus. That's awesome. Start right here. Start right here. Why? Your devotion to God will start with your dollar. Number four, I just got to, I got to move faster. There's so much here. Uh, number four, number, t- number four, what you look at determines your longings. Is what Jesus was saying. L- let, me, let me drop a quick warning in here. We have more problem now with the 10th commandment than at any time in the history of the world. You say, well, what's the 10th commandment? Uh, Exodus 20, 17, do not covet your neighbor's house. Do not covet your neighbor's wife, his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Here, here's the fourth commandment. Do not covet. That's the fourth commandment right? 10th commandment. Do not covet it. Coveting what others have will lead to financial misery. So you say, well, how are we breaking that commandment? Social media is causing this to proliferate like never before. We get on social media and we start watching everything the influencers have and everything they promote. And that's what we're looking at. And all of a sudden our dollar is going here. And did you know this? This is awesome. 57% 57% said after going on social media, they felt that someone they follow has a better life than they do. So you know what that creates? Covetousness. And I love this. A new study reveals over one in three people admit they've ordered food they didn't actually eat so they could post a picture of it on social media. What? In a survey of 2,000 people, 40% admit to uploading images of food or beverages that they themselves did not consume. Something is wrong with us. That is the 10th commandment on steroids. Listen to me. That will create financial uh, ruin. Why? Because it's not just food. It's stuff, as I like to call it. And what you look at, you will long for. Can I give you any type of, and I love it. I'm on Instagram and Twitter. I'm, I'm on all of it too, but can I tell you, Put your social media down. Quit looking at it and longing for what others have. Don't try to keep up with the Joneses, or should I say the Kardashians today. Don't do it. Can I tell you, make it a game to buy less. Make it a game. So you're addicted to stuff and ruin your finances and die. And you got boxes piled up around your house, but you've never been happy. You've got nothing laid up in the kingdom of God. Fifth thing, I'm finished. I'm finished. One is better than two. Jesus said that one is better than two. Jesus said this. You can only have one master. You cannot have two. If you try to serve God and money, you'll wind up hating God. Why? No one has ever done it, and you won't either, by the way. 
Honor God with your finances and your money first. You know what that does? That puts money in its proper place in life. If you worship money and you honor money more than God, you'll take God out of his proper place in your life. But when you honor God with your finances and your money first, tithing and giving, your money money suddenly has its proper place. Hold your Bibles, I'm, I'm finished. Stand with me across the room. And this is a weird closing illustration, but hang with me, all right? Deion Sanders, 30 years ago, 1992, this October, did something no one has ever done before, no one has ever done since. He suited up for a professional football team and a professional baseball team on the same day. He played and lost for the Falcons, and then he jumped in a helicopter, took a plane to the Braves game, who were playing the Pirates, and he suited up for the Braves. Um, I think the Braves lost that day, so it really wasn't a good day for Dion. but October 11th. He had to get IV fluids on the plane on the way over. He was so dehydrated. He got to the stadium 16 minutes before the first pitch and was sitting on the bench for the first pitch. But here's the deal. He never got into the, Bra- into the game. It was. It was a 7-1 loss for the Braves. So the Falcons, he played the Falcons, they lost. Flew the Braves, played the Braves, they lost. He called it his double play day. But he, he didn't get to play for the Braves. Dion to this day claims an Atlanta executive refused to let him into the game. And so that's why he didn't get to play. We, we don't know. We'll, we'll never know that. No one had done it before. No one had done it since, even Dion. No one ever tried to play the, those two sports on the same day. Can, can I tell you why no one's done it? You see Dion there with his golden purse uh, with him. And you know, can I tell you why no one's ever done it? Because you can't serve two masters. He's good. He's not that good. On the same day, Dion tried to serve two masters. Both ended in a loss, and one game he didn't get in. Why? You can't serve two masters. You can't serve God money. You can't worship God and worship money. It's impossible. You say, preacher, I'm not worshiping money. There's a test for that. Are you tithing? Are you giving? Offerings, gifts. Well, I'm not doing any of that, but I don't, well, money's an indicator. Money's an indicator. Earth's a bad investment, so play the long game. Your devotion will follow your dollar, and what you look at determines your longings. Be so careful, and one's better than two. Get relationship right with God first. The rest will take care of itself. Now pastors are coming this morning. Can I be honest with you? Not much of a way to give an invitation to this sermon. All the God robbers, come on down. Right? So you, you know the difficulty. But it's one of the most important sermons you'll ever hear in your life. And so I'm going to ask you just to stay where you are. Our pastors are coming, and if you want to join the church, be baptized, or even become a Christian. You can't give your way into heaven 
We don't give to be saved. We give because we have been saved. Because God loved us so much he gave to us. Come see a pastor. They'll tell you how to be saved. Join our church. Be baptized. They'll be here for a couple minutes after the service as well. But for Christians, probably what you need to do is leave and go home. Write out a tithe check. Write out a gift. Put the church in your wheel. Talk about your finances and giving it to God. Cut back on stuff and repent because that's how God said to handle money. Father, I pray this morning you draw us with your spirit as your word is spoken to a heart. Difficult subject, but we all need to hear it and we all need the reminders. There's some people in the room who were obedient. Now they're not. They need the reminder. There's some people in the room who are obedient affirm that in their lives there's some people in the room who've never been obedient may they start just now so in the blessing of handling our money the way god says handle our money in jesus name we pray heads are bowed eyes are closed hey thank you pastor joel for that message this morning i love what it said in matthew chapter 6 uh, verse 24 no one can serve two masters since either he will hate one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The truth of the matter is, if you'll put your faith and trust in Jesus first and foremost, if you'll lean on him for understanding in all areas of your life, then the rest will follow. Your, your, your money issues, uh, those will be solved. We're not promising wealth and, and prosperity in this life. However, uh, when you honor God first, he'll take care of the rest. And so honor God with your life first and foremost and watch him do a wonder in your finances as well. You can't serve both. So thank you, Pastor Joel, for that encouraging message. We, we hope you were in, inspired by the word of God today. Hey, the truth is this morning, uh, we want to make sure you have an opportunity to put your faith and trust in Jesus because we often fixate on things in life. And, and honestly, if you're not a Christian, then you're never gonna get anywhere with those anxieties and fears. It, it begins with a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so you can't focus on the things of, of walking with Christ, such as honoring God with your finances, if you've never put your faith and trust in Him. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, then honoring God with your finances is a battle not worth your time. And so today, if you'd like to put your faith and trust in Jesus, we'd love to give you that opportunity. And it's as simple as A, B, and C. A, you've got to admit that you're a sinner and that you can't save yourself. And then B, you've got to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and for mine, that he rose again on the third day and ascended into heaven where he is now. That's non-negotiable. You have to believe that inside and out, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man comes to the Father except through him. And then C, you've got to confess your sins and put your faith and trust in Jesus. And that's really how simple it is to enter into a relationship with Jesus. And we do all of that in the form of a prayer. And so I'd love to lead you in that prayer. And it's important for you to know today that it's not the prayer that saves you, but it's the intent of your heart to give your heart and life to Jesus. That is where your salvation is found. And so if you'd like to put your faith and trust in Jesus today, then just find a still moment wherever you are right now and tell God this. Say, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. God, I believe you died on the cross for me. I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. Give me a home in heaven. Lord, I give my life to you. In Jesus' name. 
Hey, can I tell you today that if you just prayed that prayer, you are now a child of God. Welcome to the family. We're so proud of you. We're proud of that decision you made today. And so if you would, uh, we've just dropped a link in the chat box that says, I prayed to receive Christ today. And if you'll just click on that link and give us uh, just your name and your email, then we just want to follow up and connect with you because it's important that you don't do this Christian life alone. Hey, you have an enemy and he'd love nothing more than to tear you down bit by bit. And so we want to walk with you as you begin your faith journey and send you some resources. And so just click that link we just dropped. Hey, it's been an excellent day in the Lord's house, and we're so grateful to have you joining us as our online community, and we hope you have an incredible week. We'll see you next Sunday right here at Pivon Online. Take care. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's Word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to connect with us on social media. For more information about Peavine, to get in touch with us or check out one of our services, visit us at peavine.org. Thanks for listening.